People deluded, I'm back again. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this. Welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast. I assume a lot of you are listening over Spotify and Apple and Google. Please make sure you've hit the subscription. Please make sure you've hit the notification bells or anything that raises awareness to when I drop content. Um, If you don't know already and you're finding out about me purely from Apple and Spotify, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and you're following across Instagram and Twitter and all those things. All, all necessary information will be in the description, depending on if you're listening to this on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this, in fact, it will be there. Now, it's been a bit of a minute, people. I took last week off. There wasn't much to speak about. Obviously, international break has come and mixed up and, and ruined a couple of plans. Now, there actually isn't much to speak about this week. There, You not know me, and in case you don't, make sure you make a note in your diaries. Friday, there'll be another episode of, of this podcast. Obviously, on Friday, we'll preview the games. Hopefully, there's some more talking points. In relation to this one, though, on Tuesday morning, you know, there hasn't... I, I waited. I was going to do it on Monday, and I thought, let me wait. There hasn't been too much, you know. You're seeing, you know, the, the thing of note for me is Highland scored his first hat-trick playing for Norway. Obviously, Bakayo Saka's become an England international. England beat Belgium. Of course, we were fortunate but it is a big three points for England. You know, I got to watch France versus Portugal. Nobody scored. Um, Camavinga looks good. You know, I watched the French team, French games and whatnot. I watched Brazil the other day and they, they did well. Coutinho did well. But yeah, man, I, I'm not a fan of international football like that unless it's you know, the Euros or the World Cup, you know, or the qualifiers too. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a fan of the qualifiers, but I get it. There's a meaning to it. And it's a weird one because I know a lot of European nations, I'm sure there was there was Nations League and there was also friendlies. I could be wrong. I didn't do my research. So there ain't been too much to speak about. There isn't too much to speak about. So we're not going to be here long. But let's just jump into something that's of mad relevance. Project Big Picture. Now, initially it was a plan or, you know, a better yet, a reform plan, which was drawn up by Liverpool's owners, Fenway Sports Group. Um, in in 2017 and Manchester United are also at the forefront and trying to push this people it's a latest twist of um, it's the latest twist in the Premier League in my opinion and it's the latest proposals in which could threat the Premier League I'll get into it but give me one sec people man I'm getting motivated I need to it's early in the morning I still got my, my robe on you know the ones there you know bit of history i always make my make my podcast in my robe it's normally chilly the um it's been chilly these last few days it's normally chilly but if you lot give me a second i know it's really um, real unprofessional of me but i feel quite uncomfortable now like i was saying i'm not a fan of it people i'm not a fan of it you know i, I listen as an arsenal fan to a degree i probably stand to benefit from any top six shouts but it's elitist you know if it, I, I'll, I'll get into it but anything that allows one core group of people or team or whatever to make ruling decisions which affects others and they're not allowed to say it's no longer become a democracy it's a dictatorship and i, I mean it, it, it's, it's, it shouldn't happen you know obviously the top six are all crowding around this and it would help but what do you tell teams like everton like wolves like leicester you know to be fair leicester have won the premier league but these teams are seeking to become consistent members of the top six talks for what do, what are you telling them one thing i like about the premier league i won't say anyone can win the league and anyone can get relegated because it's not quite that 
Um, but there's a healthy randomness about the league, you know. Man City could win 4-0 one week. The next week, they're losing 5-0 against people that might even get relegated. That relegation team goes and gets slapped the next week. It's the randomness and we all enjoy it. It's not fun when it's against your team. but And I like that and I want that to carry on in the boardroom, you know. If, if Everton want to say, okay, okay, cool, we want to build something and do what City are doing, why should they be disallowed from that? It's just about the, the few clubs that just want to benefit themselves. It's quite ridiculous and... You know, it's a bit that we've seen, we've really seen the true colours, you know, we've seen the true colours of all football clubs with the number of job cuts, with COVID, you know, with certain football clubs trying to charge £50 for fans to screen the game at, at their North London Stadium, you know, you've all seen the 1495, um, you know, if you want to buy matches and watch matches that are not on TV, it's ridiculous, you know, season tickets, they're still trying to fleece us and they forget that nine times out of ten. I know they think football fans' lives are just football, but, you know, there's Honest John out there who has been a season ticket for ten years, doesn't want to lose it, so he's paying the peas, paying for the numerous different sports packages, paying for Amazon Prime and he's also got kids, you know. The school year's just started. He had to buy a uniform during this COVID pandemic. You know, Christmas is around the corner. Regardless of people's finances, I'm pretty sure I speak for most honest parents, even though I don't have children. When I say no matter how much or how little money's there, you will always somehow, even if it means you personally have to go without, you will always make some little something, you know. You will always make sure there's a one gift or there's something for the children or there's a little something. So again, you know, it's further fleecing people at a time where every penny counts, you know, for everybody. It's really up. It's really upsetting that this is the thing. But um, the key points of the of of the proposal, people, would be um, if adopted, project big picture would place the power in the hands of the already established so-called big six, which obviously are my club, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, Manchester City, and Manchester United, and also Liverpool. Um, and this will also help with, along with three clubs with the longest continual stay in the Premier League, which is West Ham, who have condemned this, by the way, and they could have benefited. And I know their owners get a lot of heat. Everton, who I was just defending for some reason, and also Southampton. Um, and it's crazy because, yeah, it will monopolise the big six. But this is crazy, people. How can six teams out of however many in the Premier League, you know, is it 20? I could be wrong. Um get to control things is crazy and even then within those six people but only the votes of six of those clubs would be required to make major changes which is crazy so six clubs have a say over the rest of the league is quite sad you know radical reforms um like, like, like they've said this could have a damaging effect on the premier league people um it would also the the one benefit and probably why the EFL are down for it or the chairman's down for it is the plans would see the Premier League hand over two hundred and fifty million in a bailout required by the Football League to starve off a financial disaster among its seventy two clubs. The Premier League would also hand over twenty five percent of its annual income to the EFL, which is crazy. But this would mean parachute payments would be scrapped. The bottom two teams in the Premier League um, that have been relegated. Um, or um, the two bottom teams in the Premier automatically relegated with the 16th team joining the championship playoffs. That would be good. I don't mind that because you see, again, if, if it was my team, I'd be livid. We've stayed in the league. Why do we need to play? But, you know, but Germany do that and it adds a bit of excitement. That's the one thing I don't mind, people. I really, I really don't mind. Key other changes, people, include... Um, 
Um, well, like I was saying, about six six teams are only. If it does happen, those six teams will be the only teams that get to really have a say in what happens in the league. But also, people, only six of the nine longest-serving clubs need to vote for a major change, which is scary. Under plans, as I've said already, but in case you've lost me, the Premier League would be would be reduced to eighteen teams, down from twenty. The League Cup and the Community Shield would be scrapped. I don't... The League Cup... Oh, yeah, and also with the League Cup, apparently there's talk of if you're in Europe, you might be able to skip that competition out. And I'm listen, you know, the League Cup is, is not important per se. It's a trophy. You know, if you're there, you owe it to yourself to try and win it. As long as you're there, try and win it. It's silverware at the end of the day. Um, but I'm sure many managers, you know, they'll look at the League Cup. You look at Jose, they beat Chelsea, but he, I wouldn't say he threw that game. But he rested a lot of players and he did what he needed to do with injuries in mind and the rest of it. So I'm sure many of the top six clubs or many Premier League managers will, will relish it, really. You know, you're win working on staying in the league, winning leagues, top half finish, top four finish. The squad's being pressed. You don't really want to have to deal with this, especially when you're in Europe. So I'm sure with that angle, it'd be good, even though a lot of young players. And I will say as well, you know, many people will look at the teams in Europe or the top Premier League teams, but nine times out of ten... I'm not going to say the, the League One Championship and all these clubs filled weaker teams, but you see them resting players as well, throwing the game. When I say throwing the game, I mean fielding a weaker team with priorities elsewhere. Um, you see them doing the same thing. Bacard, they're still trying to save up. You know, If anything, you'll see them in the FA Cup. They might go for it more because there's probably more finances the longer you go, but everybody seems to throw it. Obviously, the further you get, and to a degree, like when Arsenal played Liverpool, you know, you did see some key players play and whatnot. But it's, it's, it's an unnecessary evil. I'm sure you look at Jurgen Klopp, you know, when they're in the... Um when they were in the, the when they won the champs and you're in the club World Cup as default, you know, you got that, you got the FA Cup, you got the community shield, and you still got the league. It's a disaster. And and you know, I'm sure many teams would like to stay in it because it's a trophy. You know, it's good if your young players win it, but they'll be more than open to that one. I think the community shield should stay, you know, it's the curtain raiser, it's the FA Cup winners versus the league. The community shield for me growing up was something very elite, you know. I won't say elite, but it's something I look forward to. I don't want to see the community shield going. You know, you could you know, maybe change the name, call it a little Super Cup or something. May I, I like it at Wembley, but I'm sure I could be wrong. But I swear, people, there's been a Super Cup between Real Madrid and Barca or someone and it's not been played in Spain. It's been played elsewhere. Again, I could be wrong. But again, maybe if you do stuff like that, that's where they can make their commercial revenue. That's where they get the interest. I just think the community shield needs to be spiced off a bit because you look at the Italian league, it's called Italian Super Cup or whatever. And the same goes um, with Spain. It just sounds a bit more serious. Now, now they're, they're both of them countries there and the teams competing know what it is. But the community shield is the one thing I want to stay. I think the League Cup should stay for what it's worth, but I understand it's an unnecessary evil. It's not taken seriously. The name changes every year. I'm still out here calling it Carling Cup. I'm pretty sure it's called Cat Yarabel. It'll probably change to Budweiser or, or Hennessy at this rate, you know. So we'll have to see. Some radical changes happening or being proposed, people. And even if you listen to Arsene Wenger, he said we need to get rid of the Nations League. And that's been in there too, Sex. He said if you ask Rose, most random people about the Nations League, they can't tell you what it is. And there's truth in that. There's also not truth in that. But shout out to Arsene Wenger. You know, I bought his book. It's actually out today. Amazon said it's coming today. It needs to hurry up because I want to read that. But it is what it is. You know, the one good thing about the changes is, is for me, it's... it's it's handing over 25% of the of the revenue, not that they are owed to or need to. 
and also a 25 million bailout because it helps clubs that have dropped down it helps clubs in financial issues and we have seen clubs from championship to league two in all sorts of financial bother with COVID in place and even before that for different reasons so it's nice to see to a degree the integrity could 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 be saved it will be a rescue fund and it will be a made it will be made available to the EFL um, 100 million is to be paid to the FA to make up for lost revenue um, nine clubs um, were given special voting rights on certain issues based on their oh yeah apologies this was also a thing people nine clubs um, could be given special voting rights on certain issues based on their extended runs in the Premier League but the plan has been criticised by the Premier League the government and supporters groups so I'm not too sure what the Premier League have to say about this because you lot would sanction it and you lot can't really praise yourself um English Football League chairman Rick Parry, and it's also important to mention he previously worked for the Premier League. Um, he is praised, and for whatever alter, alter, um, alter reason, we'll know why he's doing this, I'm not sure, but he's praised Liverpool and Manchester United for coming up with a plan because he believes it will protect the English footballing pyramid. He's backing these proposals, and he has said... This is two of our great clubs showing leadership and exercising responsibility. The message from Liverpool and Manchester United is that they genuinely care about the pyramid. The Premier League could have come up with a plan like this at any time. How is it taken? How is it taken to get to a rescue package? Months. How long has it taken? Apologies. It was May when the government was saying we need the Premier League to step up to the plate. What's wrong with us talking about a plan that is clearly in the best interest of the pyramid and our clubs? We genuinely, genuinely think that this is the best interest of the game as a whole. Um, he did accept that these would gain, um, these could um, gain some criticism and whatnot. And we'll never know the motives. At the end of the day, it's all about cash. English football, prem, the Premier League is chasing cash. Premier League is chasing cash. Um, the football EFL is chasing cash. The players are chasing cash. The owners are chasing cash. The coaches are chasing cash. The agents, all about money in this game. You know, there's a way to do it. There's nothing wrong with being money motivated. Well, for me, it's when you do things like Rick Parry, where you try and claim that Liverpool and United are doing great things. If you believe that, then fair play. We all know you're just doing this because your remit is to ensure you get more money into the EFL. You'll be praised as a hero at a time where, like I said, said many clubs are affected by covid and the knock-on effects of it you'll be praised for that that's all you care about that's that's the only reason they're going with this because it's in their self-interest because championship clubs will get helped you know i'm pretty sure if you was to ask him as a man and not and, and just as a football fan away from this he might say something different i hope the, pl the plans don't come into place but this is where football is going you know it already is the few you know the majority how do I make it make sense? The majority of us, whether it's through paying, whether it's through, you know, working and whatnot, we are the, we plant the fruit, you know, we water it, we we do whatever. But it's the few, it's the very few at the top, the elitists that really get to enjoy that, that, that fruit that's picked off those trees as a result of our hard labour and things like this. Reiterate, reiterate that, that, you know, in a game where... You're not football is the one game where there's a level playing field. As long as you got ball, your race, your class, your sex, your whatever doesn't matter. You know, and I'm not saying this has any relevance, but it's becoming more and more elitist, and it's sad. People, it's really sad at a time where more footballers are becoming more recognisable to the honest man and woman. You look at Jaden Sandro. You know, I'm not from South London, and he's I'm a couple years older than him, but I resonate with that lad with the concrete jungle, with the council estate, with how he can, can carries on. You know, they use that and they. Mark market that but you know who's really benefiting it's crazy apologies people
get, I'm getting really hot and bothered. The jumper's got backed off now. No t-shirt thing. Moving forward from all of that, though, people. Um, so in short, like I said, there'll be an axing of the League Cup and the Community Shield um, and whatnot. Key points. Um, revised to top flight promotion and relegation. Um, it's also in relation to the relegation one about the, the sort of playoffs, people. The sixth, to reiterate, I don't think I made sense. The 16th best placed top flight club would then participate in a playoff tournament with the championship's third, fourth, and fifth place teams. We also got to remember it's before my time, but this system was used in 1986 87 and also in 87 88, but then it was scrapped after the old first division was reduced from those of you old enough from 22 teams to 20. Um, you know, like I said, I won't mind this at all because Germany, it's not going to be the same, but Germany do little things like this and it makes excitement, people. A quick word on England, not to go into specifics, you know, I'm, I'm still question marks over Southgate. How many fullbacks does he want in the squad in the starting lineup? You know, very negative and defensive systems. I'm not one who cares about left-sided centre-halves and whatnot, but I don't think he's even picking... Even better yet, putting England's most comfortable centre-halves on the left-hand side, on that side. I mean, it, there's not, it doesn't appear there's a clear pan, plan. You know, you've got how many defenders on the field. You then play in negative midfielders, which is not even their fault. That's just not their skill set, you know. And then you're just relying on Calvert-Lewin to score a header. And, you know, he got away with it, you know, Southgate. But I think we're gonna there's going to be big question marks over Southgate. You've got to remember next year, starting from next year, it's back-to-back competitions you know you got the euros in 21 and then 22 assuming nothing's been moved the following year you know we need to kind of get this right yeah we built beat belgium the first bit i mean it should be france because they're the world cup winners and holders but i think belgium are the best placed team you know we beat them yeah there was there was luck there was individual mistakes especially with the penalty there was a lot of nonsense but we showed good grit and determination the problem is away from the result was that performance convincing whether we won loss or draw and no it's not now, I sympathise with Southgate. You get less time as an international manager and all of these things. That's why you've got to stamp your mark. And again, I just have Southgate down as a coward. He doesn't scream strong in any principles. He doesn't scream his best team. You know, you've seen with things off the field, he, he does one thing, then does another. You know, it's, it's really going to be a joke thing, really. You got to see the quality of Grealish as well over the, the the couple of internationals. I know we've got our next one on Wednesday. Um, apparently, you know, Jose Mourinho and Southgate are going to have words over Harry Kane because he doesn't want him to be involved in that. He doesn't want him to use take part in all three of England's fixtures. But what can I say, man? It is what it is. You know, for England, we've won 20 of our last 21 competitive home games, only conceding 10 and scoring 67. So as much as I'm getting at Southgate, these stats don't lie. We've also scored at least twice in our last eight international matches on home soil, which is our longest run since September 2010. So there is good things to worry about, but just Southgate, it's just the man in charge in Southgate. You've got some very good England players, you know, you've got some good young ones, you've got some good players playing in form. It's just Southgate, there's not a clear system, there's not a clear way of playing, there's not a plan B system, you know, there's, the squad isn't. The squad looks imbalanced for me, really and truly. I, I, South, I have Southgate down as a good man and a, and a, and a great guy, but, and, and, and man management, you know, it seems to be alright, but... You know, does he does he scream the credentials? Has he conducted his way on the field as a man that's holding the highest job in the land with the highest pressure? No. Do I continue? Would I say I feel confident about Southgate leading us into the Euros in, and the World Cup? No, I think it's going to end terribly, but we'll have to see. I'd also like to say, you know, big up Bakayo Saka for getting some minutes over the campaign, um, over the last game, sorry. 
uh, Maitland-Niles as well, Reese James, you know, shout out to Connor Cody scoring his first goal for the country. Calvert-Lewin's capped a great season and a half, well, season and a start, you know, he had a good start, he had a good season last year and it's the start of the year now. You know, he's been scoring goals for fun and it was nice to see him score score his first goal for England. You know, we all dreamed of that as professional footballers, you know. And if I haven't said it, Kyle Walker got his 50th cap in his last England game and he was quite decent. So we move on to Denmark on Wednesday. Tomorrow, people, and we'll see what go on and the Denmark game will conclude our action in, in relation to that. In other news, keeping up with the theme of COVID, people, apparently the PFA will fund EFL COVID tests. Um, apparently, they've made this decision due to numerous matches in the EFL being postponed due to cases among players and staff. Apparently, this has caused an increase in concern that as cases continue to rise nationally, more games could be scrapped. Obviously, over the past weekend, Tranmere, you know, were left with just 10 first team players due to COVID um, related absences. Um, and they were told they had to play against Salford, you know. The PFA have stated they want to help safeguard players and club staff by assisting the EFL and its clubs to uphold their pro protocols. This comes at a time of you know where there's a lot of clubs are going through financial difficulties and you know there's a lack of seats on bums or gate receipts apparently the level of funding has not been disclosed but it is thought to be substantial apparently it will cover the costs of experts from the sports grounds safety authority cgsa to visit clubs training grounds and stadiums to check they adhere with protocols apparently this will take place on a weekly basis for the remainder of the season um and it doesn't mean COVID tests in the EFL. It simply means the fun. It just means you know they'll provide the funding, but apparently the funding will not cover the cost of extra testing. So what was actually being funded by that statement, I'm not too sure. But as long as it helps, Gordon Taylor, who's come under a lot of criticism for um, being chief executive at the PFA in recent months, has said the PFA has committed to to pay for audits for the remainder of the season and will work closely with the EFL to ensure that clubs can continue to fulfil their fixtures. From the outset of the COVID outbreak, the concerns for welfare and safety of players and all staff has remained the PFL's top priority um moving away from that people and going back to normal football rather sad news you lot know westing mckenney you know usa international schalke player and currently juventus Lonie having a great time you know the americans are doing right you look at richards at, at Bayern munich you look at him at juventus dest has gone to um barcelona you've got geo reina in fact let me write that down people that's some good little reina la fonte uh thingy um who else did i say mckenny sergeant at bremen dest richards apologies people you lot just gave me some content ideas but like i said you know he's playing for america you know and he's playing for juventus one of the biggest teams in the world he shouldn't be think have to think about things but one thing i like about him he's never hid away he, all the american players to be fair what's the one yedlin in his interview with bellerin they've never hidden away although they're on the other side of the atlantic what exactly is happening you know with let me call it out it's my podcast i'm never gonna lie with police simply completely completing mass murders of black males and females it, it, let's let's call it a, a spade a spade um western has said um 
He plays for a country that doesn't accept him due to colour of his skin. And that's what a lot of people of heritage need to go through. It's like people playing for England, you know. I look at myself. I'm an English lad. I'm, I'm, you know, an English lad. I was born in North London. You know, I'm of Jamaican and Bayesian heritage. You know, as much as I love Jamaica and Barbados, I wasn't born there. So they don't really necessarily see me as that. In England, they'll tell you you're English when you're doing well. They'll always bring up your Western roots. And, you know, I'm sure whether you've been born here or not, and my passport is Burgundy, you know, you'll be told go back home and all of these things. And I'm sure you speak to Raheem Sterling, Daly Ali, um, Marcus Rashford, all of these guys, you know, they've been very proud to play for England, but they've been also made very aware of racism at play. That's why it's always a difficult one. Um, so may, I'm not too sure if he's got any other heritage, but, you know, this is why it's a tough decision to play for other to play for other countries and whatnot. So to a degree, you know, you're playing for a country that doesn't respect you at your own accord because you put on the top. I'm not belittling his decision. I'm not saying he shouldn't have done that, but you put on the top. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not right. Um, he said, um, like he said, he's playing for a country that doesn't respect him due to the colour of his skin. And it's true. And, he, you know, it might be good for him when he gets pulled over. They might say, oh, McKenny, you're good. You know, I've done this in an interview with a previous American footballer as well. He might say you're good. But what about that guy who isn't a footballer or whatnot? You know, hands up, don't shoot. You know, they're killing people. They're killing little babies. Like they're killing people. You know, they're killing people while they're sleeping in their houses. So, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're a footballer or whatnot. And he's right about that. And it must be difficult, you know, singing the national anthem and all of these things. And your people, them are being slaughtered. And your people have been slaughtered over years. You know, if we talk about slavery, how many years are we looking at? And them wounds there are still fresh. You know, the civil rights wasn't too long ago as well. Um, you know, Malcolm X being assassinated actually wasn't that long ago. I know the history books and all these people like to say, oh, let's forget about it. Let's turn the page and whatnot without admitting and comprehending and just damn right apologizing for the F has happened. But he said, this year at the beginning of the season, we played and the fans after the game were making monkey noises at me. It's devastating. I went back home to Dallas and I'm afraid to drive at night just because I don't know what's going to happen. If I get pulled over, I'm representing a country that possibly doesn't even accept me just for the colour of my skin. You're a soccer player and you shouldn't be making political statements. And I'm just thinking in my head, I don't see how this is a political statement at all. And it's all, you know, it's always whenever they're raising good causes, it's always like they should use their status more. Why are footballers silent? But the same coin, people beat them with why are they staying quiet? Football mirrors society and, for fo and, and, and vice versa, you know. Do you think he's ever forgotten that he's a black man? Do you think just because, yeah, he might be Westing McKenney and all these things, but he's still a black man, you know? You should, it doesn't, only people that say he shouldn't speak up are just damn right twats. He is fully right in opening his mouth, definitely as a footballer, you know? People bigger than him and most footballers in that country are standing up and it ain't making no difference, you know? Um, the police, you know, the police system in America, not to change it, but the police system in America is doing exactly what it's designed to do. It's not designed to protect black people. It's designed to murder them, simple as, you know. Anything done in this society is not done by mistake. It's done on purpose, you know. that that We could say the system is broken and all those things, and even here to a degree in England, I used to say that. But then the system isn't broken. It's working perfectly, you know. There's been many case studies of, you know, a white person and a black person. A white person stabbed someone, you know. There's been a white person who has stabbed someone and not got anything just because they have an Oxford career and they could be a doctor. And there's another person who is literally a labourer and has been sentenced to 10 years. I'm not saying because you're black you should get this or because you're white you should get that. There should be a level playing field and we have to be honest, there is racism at play. And what people, and I'd say more so in the UK, fail to understand and comprehend 
racism is one thing blatant racism is one thing but more dangerous is the prejudice is the preconceived notions and ideas it's it, it's the little little hush hush sort of movements um so it is what it is he said a person lost their lives and i'm not going to shut up and dribble i'm going to make my opinions just small small just because people believe that i should just play football i don't want to be known just as a great soccer player you got a long way before that happens fellow i want to be known as a great human being and as a great person and that is what i'm trying to do and trying to do to create my legacy this version of me that i love and that's it man mckenny live your life talk about what you want to talk about wear whatever clothes you want to walk about because you've only got one life and people don't really care they just want something to speak about Moving away from that and the Mr. Paul Scholes, very opinionated on everything to do with Man United, is stepping back into the managerial dugout. As you lot know, he is a co-owner of Salford City, but he'll be returning um, as the League Two club's interim head coach after they sacked Graham Alexander. He was in, Graham was informed of his club's decision to terminate his contract on Monday morning. I don't know Salford's context, but apparently they sit fifth and they've got two wins in five games this season. Does he deserve to be sacked? I don't know. Has that form been there? Has they, has it been coming and the writing on the wall? I'm not too sure because it's not the best of form, but to be sacked is quite kind of harsh. As you look, no, this isn't the first time Paul Scholes has made the switch from the boardroom to the dugout at Salford, if you, Salford, apologies. If you lot remember, him and Phil Neville oversaw a 2-1 victory over Kendall Town in 2015 after Phil Power departed. Away from that, though, and I can't remember him, people, but um, former Manchester City youth winger jo Johan Roman has changed his name to Goku. Obviously, if you don't know the lead character from the anime series Dragon Ball. Um, the 27-year-old currently plays for second division side, Polish side, Meds Legnika. Apologies. But he said, um, people, um, I am grateful to Johan for what I have lived, his first name. For all the positive things he left me, but now I am Goku. It's probably the most relevant thing I've seen from him or heard from him as a footballer. And, you know, I'm not going to belittle his choice if he's... that. That's that's what he wants to call himself. If that's how he feels comfortable, he's got his life to live. But it's a bit mad still. If I didn't say it already, people, um, Highland scored his first hat-trick for his country for Norway. Also, Reynard, another American that we're speaking about right now, is the first American to record a free free um, assists in a match in Europe's top five leagues since 2008. That has no relevance. I just wanted to re um, mention it because I hear Gio Reynard is an Arsenal fan. Um, finally, to wrap this podcast up, people, let's go over quickly some transfers. Not that much can happen. And I'm all sure you've seen... Well, it's really changed over Monday. Initially, it looked like West Ham had agreed a deal to sign Brentford winger Ben Rama, you know, after his 17 goals in all competitions last year enabled Brentford to finish third and reach the playoff final, in which they fell short. You're now seeing, for whatever reason, apparently it's on the verge of collapsing with nothing to do with West Ham. So that tells me, has Brentford got cold feet and said, you know what, there's no time to bring in a replacement or, or get a loan player in as a replacement, we're keeping you. Um, have they started changing their mind over the terms? You know, they say one thing to West Ham and then change it because apparently Ben Rama and Brentford are fractured ties. But, you know, he's at least for two and a half months going to have to shut up and play, really. Um, and West Ham probably thinking, what's our luck? We can barely make signings and we're just seeing one come in and it's getting mad. Forgive me if I'm wrong. We know they need a centre-half as well and they've brought in Craig Dawson. Apologies if I've... Been, um, Watford's Craig Dawson... Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Ishmael Asar at Watford. He probably has to stay there. 
Um, so we'll see what happens in the case of Ben Rama. But it looks like what started off as initial promise and happiness for West Ham fans who have struggled to have happiness in this summer's market in relation to transfers. It seems that that, you know, it's the latest spanner in the works. I've made videos on these things on YouTube, so I don't need to go over it again. But as you lot know, Ornstein has said currently Saliba will probably stay at Arsenal rather than head out on loan. He's been linked with Brent Ben Rama's club, Brentford, Watford and many other clubs. Ozil, apparently, you know, he got eight million in September as a loyalty bonus in which he deserves. Um, apparently, he's again rejected a move to the Med Middle East. Um Apparently, Goal.com are reporting there's tension between N'Golo Kante and Lampard and it could see him leave Chelsea. Now, at least for two and a half months, he's going to shut up, have to shut up and play. But apparently, French media reports say Lampard wouldn't allow Kante to miss training for a friend's wedding, a decision which the 29-year-old struggled to accept. So I don't know if that's true, but you'd imagine Kante barely misses training and is always on time. And if he walks nicely, you'd, you'd imagine a model professional like Kante should be allowed but Lampard's allowed to say no I'm focused on football um, I'm not but Lampard you know he, he, he has me down as someone that would probably let you go but I'm not too sure man but we'll have to see I don't know if I buy that one we'll have to see you lot know Barcelona have been in talks to try and keep to Stegen at their club apparently you know it looked to be a case of done uh, you remember Romano saying a contract until 2025 but apparently he wants to become Barcelona's second highest earner despite agreeing to reduce his initial 24 million per year, 22 million pounds wage demands. And to be fair, I thought it was nonsense. But when you look at it, what's stopping you from not? Because you look at Messi and Testegen, they're probably the two players that would really harm Barcelona if they let them go. You know, you look around that Barcelona side, they've got great players. Of course, you know, they've got they've got quality players, but... To Stegen and Messi are probably the two players you look at to see get grab moves, if not Dembele or be highly sought after. So, and especially when I'm sure he's probably considering moves elsewhere if there is legit offers, he's within his rights to try and go for this. To be fair with you, um, he's contracted until 2022, so Barcelona are going to need to make a, a decision. Um, apparently he's willing to commit his future, but an agreement on his final pay packet has yet to be reached. People. Apparently, in January, Man City will make another attempt to sign Ajax and Argentinian left-back Telefico. Um, Tele Apparently, Spurs in January will also reignite their interest in Inter Milan Slovakia centre-half Milan Skriniar. Um, as you lot saw, Camavinga made his French debut and he's going to be a madness. And you can see apparently Madrid are looking at him. But apparently Man United and Real Madrid will fight over Camavinga. Um, and United will move for him if... Paul Pogba decides to leave and Pogba's spoken of going to, to, to Real Madrid recently as well. Apparently, Fulham are in advanced talks over signing Huddlesfield's Netherlands defender Congolo. Um, apparently, a number of Manchester United players have expressed their disappointment at the treatment of Argentinian goalkeeper Sergio Romeo. Obviously, he's fallen down the price tag, down the, down the pecking order and, you know... Um, his price tag or United acting over or whatever, I saw him not get a move to Everton. Now, this is a headache for Oli Golasosha because you look at it, you know, Oli probably does deserve to lose his job, you know, and it seems like the walls are cracking. You look at that 6-1 defeat, I've already offered my thoughts and you've had your same. You've heard of the aftermath, you know, Bruno Fernandes openly got at Oli Golasosha's tactics and the players are no idiots. You don't think they're watching match of the day, chatting with their friends, talking among themselves and questioning the tactics sometimes. So when you're seeing this, when you're seeing the performances, when you're seeing the lack of improvement, when, you, when you're hearing that a number of players, in, in addition to um, Romeo and even Romeo's wife on Instagram, you know, and addition to a couple of players are sympathising with Romeo, 
it just screams Ole Gunnar Solskjaer every day is losing the dressing room more and more and more and more. And, you know, to a degree, you know, you're, the writing's on the wall for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Football's a funny game. When the restart comes back, if he wins his next two, three, you know, sacking dies down. But they've been poor. They haven't started the season well. You know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, there isn't one thing you as a fan as of United, I'm sure, can cling on to as to why it's going to be positive. Disp- apart from being those guys that are always positive and just want to be able to say I told you so if it does turn around and I want it to turn around for Oli nobody I've listen nobody enjoys this more than me I get to banter my Man United friends but I never like to see a man lose their job I never like to see someone fail so I would like him to turn it around but he just doesn't seem he's the guy and you know ESPN could be exaggerating but if true a number of players are unhappy with how you're treating Romeo in addition let's just say five man in addition to Romeo is six you know when you add in Bruno Fernandes for different reasons that's seven players that's seven out of that's seven potential starting 11 players or seven players out of your squad who don't believe in your team now let's just say Paul Pogba not to not to say him but let's just say Pogba Martial you know Harry Maguire regardless what you believe they don't believe in Oli these players are big influences in the dressing room if they don't believe then other players are going to start so it starts off at seven then it turns to 14 or 20 you know 20 out of a t- and you might have five young players that listen to you, but you've already lost. You know the majority of the club don't believe in you. It's not going to happen, and the players won't disrespect you. They'll still train and play with integrity, but they're not going to kill themselves for you as much. They're not going to want to buy into your tactics as much as you lot know this, and it's just going to make your role tougher. So all he seems to need needs to keep it moving, people. Finally, though, former Manchester City and Brazil forward Robinho has volunteered to take a wage of just two hundred. Um, 200 a month, wait, it says 200 pounds here, 200 pounds a month to return to his boyhood club Santos for a fourth spell, which should be interesting, people. Um, so, yeah, like I said, there isn't much to speak about in relation to this podcast, people, but I offered what I needed to offer. We've been here just shy of 40 minutes, 36 or so. Hope it's been an enjoyable episode. Like I said, make sure you're aware because Friday we go again. There'll undoubtedly be a lot more to speak about as talk, talking points arrive. As you know, the results of the international filter out. And obviously, as we turn our attentions back to the Premier League people, where we've got Manchester City, which is going to be a tough game. Um, Like I said, I'll be back Friday. In the meantime, check out my YouTube channel. Check out my content over there. You know, there's some other podcasts for those of you that like to have a listen and whatnot. But yeah, man, I'm going to keep it moving. Stay safe. Thank you for listening. It's been a brilliant podcast. I'm out.